Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. As I get set up, I want to just invite you to stand up for a minute and just greet your neighbor, introduce yourself. If, if you don't know them, uh, let's connect. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. So if you're new to Harvest, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I've been here almost seven years. I can't believe it's been that long. At least one person's happy I'm here seven years. Uh, So last week I kicked off this new series called Marvel at the Master. And we're taking a fresh look at Jesus and his life and how he lived. And my hope and prayer is that there will be a new sense of awe and wonder for us as we look at Jesus, and that we would grow to love him more and more. And then the other big hope is as we're learning about Jesus and who he is, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, our call is to become more like Jesus. I know that feels like almost impossible. We talked about that last week. Uh, But Christ's intent is to make you more like himself. And this morning, we're going to look at Mark 1. And a specific passage uh, that Jesus encounters a man. And we're going to see something very special about Jesus in this passage. I just want to begin by reading it for us. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, so you can follow along on the slide. So Mark 1, verses 35 to 45. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing You can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared. The man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Let's pray together one more time. Father, this morning, we pray that you would reveal 
the glory of your son, Jesus, once again to us. That we would get a glimpse and a renewed vision of who Jesus was and is. That our eyes and hearts will be open to you, Jesus. And that we would just fall in love with you more and more today. And that we would be people who are resolved to live with a full-on allegiance for Jesus Christ. Uh, And that you would make us more and more like your son, O God. Uh, And we just pray your word would speak this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We live in a world that is drawn to the spectacular. We don't want just ordinary and normal and plain. We want extraordinary. We want to be entertained by the best and the greatest. There's something in our human condition and how we are made that makes us long for the spectacular. Nowadays, we have all these reality TV shows. America's Got Talent, The Voice, and on and on. It seems like every week there's a new reality TV show coming out. And on these shows, we put on stage the most amazing and incredible and spectacular people that our world has to offer. One of the shows our family has gotten into recently, especially our kids, is a show called Little Big Shots. I don't know if anybody else has seen it. It's hosted by Steve Harvey. And it's basically America's Got Talent for little kids. I'm talking about young kids. Like Some of these kids are three or four years old. These kids get on stage and they do some sort of art, like singing or dancing or sport. And these kids are simply incredible. Unbelievable. There's one kid, I think he was three or four years old. He's a worship leader at our church, at his church. (laughs) Not our church, yeah. His church. And he got on stage and was leading the audience as, in worship. And it was simply incredible. As we've been watching this show, I, I've joked with Yvonne, and this, this is joking. What are our kids doing with their lives? I, I look at these kids, and then I look at my kids, and there's a big difference. And I love our kids just the way they are. But let, let's be honest. There's a temptation in our culture, that ordinary and normal isn't enough. Especially in America, people are tempted toward wanting to be a spectacle, wanting to be the center of the show. You know, one of the things that's clear in the book of Mark especially is that Jesus, even though he was spectacular, even though he was extraordinary, He was not interested in being a spectacle. He wasn't interested in drawing great crowds just for the numbers. He didn't want people to marvel at him just for the sake of marveling. He wanted people's allegiance, their love and devotion, their full-out commitment And we're going to see this early on in this passage. And then we're going to zero in on Jesus' encounter with this man. And Jesus shows us once again how amazing he is, how truly special he is. So let's go back to the text. We're going to walk through it verse by verse, starting in verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, 
Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. I think it's an understatement to say that Jesus was a busy man. Man, he had a lot going on. He was extremely busy. But he knew he needed to withdraw from the busyness of ministry and life to spend time with his father alone. And this is a pattern we see in Jesus' life. Here he wakes up early in the morning before anybody else, and he gets away. And I don't believe Jesus was doing this just to set an example for us. In his humanity, which we talked about last week, Jesus needed this time to be strengthened, to be in the presence of his Father, and to listen and to connect and get guidance through prayer. Man, when life gets really busy, it's so easy to let the most important things slip out of our rhythm, right? So easy. But if Jesus needed this time with his Father, how much more so for us? I don't know how we can survive this life and this world without finding intentional times to withdraw from everything. And just spend time relating to God, connecting with him and listening to him. Taking time to bask in God's presence and love. And I'm not not talking necessarily a weekend away, but even five, ten minutes in the day. Just to retreat, just to be alone with God. Back to the text, verse 36. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. This phrase, everyone is looking for you, it seems like a positive thing for us. But in the book of Mark, it always has a negative connotation. It's referring to people who are drawn to Jesus for all the wrong reasons. In this instance, most likely, people were attracted to Jesus because of the miracles that he was doing. They just wanted the oohs and the ahs of a miracle show. And Jesus was the great entertainer for them. They weren't interested in following Jesus and giving their wholehearted devotion to him. So Jesus says, it's time to move on. I need to preach in other places. That's why I'm here. So they went on traveling throughout Galilee. And then Jesus encounters a man who shouldn't have gone anywhere near Jesus. This man should have not been close to Jesus. And one thing I really appreciate about Jesus is that he was available for interruptions. He had a clear sense of mission and purpose. He had a full schedule, but his life was often interrupted by individual people. And Jesus didn't shoo them away. He didn't cast them aside. He was present to these people. It makes me wonder for myself, for us, how interruptible are we? How open are we to surprise moments throughout the day? And the week that God is setting up for something that He wants to do. Verse 40 A man 
with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. A leper in Jesus' day was a person that was infected with some sort of skin disease that made them a contagious threat to others in the community. So leopard was labeled unclean and forced to be excluded from society. This is directly from Old Testament law, Leviticus 13. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean, as long as the serious disease lasts. They will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their places outside the camp. It's important for us. We have to understand, for a leper, it wasn't just the physical pain and the suffering. The relational and emotional toll of leprosy must have been incredibly painful. It had to have been soul-crushing. They were completely marginalized, considered an outcast. They couldn't work. They had to resort to begging and relying on the scraps from others. They couldn't be around anybody, even their own families. They couldn't touch people. And they had to yell out, unclean, unclean, whenever they were around someone else. Can you imagine how this would affect someone's self-esteem? They have no name, no identity except unclean. That is the word that defines their life and their story, unclean. Can you imagine what kind of life that had to have been? And for this leper to even come close to Jesus and to say any other words except for unclean was uncalled for. It was out of bounds. But he takes the risk. He kneels on the ground in front of Jesus with this humble plea. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus' response Moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. And this phrase, moved with compassion, is such a beautiful testament to the heart and character of Jesus. The original form of the word denotes an emotion that's felt physically. It literally means, and this will be weird for us, to be moved in one's bowels. For the Jews, the bowels were the center of tender affection and kindness and pity. In Jesus' humanity, because he was a real human being, he felt something deep within him, within his physical body, and was moved at the sight, was moved at the plea from this man. I love what Charles Spurgeon, he's a famous English preacher, he he writes this, of this phrase, moved with compassion. It's expressive of the deepest emotion, a striving of the bowels, a yearning of the innermost nature with pity, 
I suppose that when our Savior looked upon certain sights, those who watched him closely perceived that his internal agitation was very great. His emotions were very deep. And then his face betrayed it. His eyes gushed like founts with tears. And you saw that his big heart was ready to burst with pity for the sorrow upon which his eyes were gazing. He was moved with compassion. His whole nature was agitated with commiseration for the sufferers before him. In his humanity, Jesus expresses real emotion, real agitation. Right here, Jesus is undone. There's a physical display of compassion he feels for this man that runs so deep within him. Man, I love this about Jesus. I love this about Jesus. I love that Jesus saw individual people and their needs. He wasn't too big or too important to not care or be concerned with others. Man, when we really get this, when we really understand Jesus' compassion, it feels too good to be true. But it's real. It's true. It's genuine. It's legit. And we don't know how long this man had leprosy. It could have been for his whole life. Day after day, year after year, He yells, unclean, unclean, so no one will ever touch him. And Jesus sees the pain of this man. And despite all the boundaries here, Jesus can't help himself. He is moved with compassion that breaks all the rules and the regulations of touching a defiled man, a man who was unclean. So moved With compassion, Jesus reaches out and he touches the man. This is one of the most amazing things in this passage is that Jesus touches the man. He reaches out. He extends himself to touch this defiled, unclean leper. And the thing is, he did not have to touch him. There were other ways to do this. He had the power to command the healing through his voice. But the compassion Jesus feels for this man, it comes out. He needs to express it. And then Jesus speaks just very simply to this man. He says, I am willing, he said, be healed. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. I'm willing. I want to do this for you. And he says, be healed. He shows his power, his authority. Jesus banishes the leprosy from the man's body. And the man was restored. The leprosy that infected him was vanquished And he was completely healed. 
In verse 43, then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anybody about this. Move with compassion. And now a stern warning. What's going on, Jesus? Jesus asked the man to be silent. Because again, he doesn't want to create a spectacle of crowds clamoring after him just because of the miracles. Again, Jesus doesn't want attention for attention's sake. He wants people's full devotion to him. He wasn't interested in building crowds. He could have done that. But rather men and women who would fully commit to him as followers, as disciples. Jesus continues. He says, instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who've been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. You see, Jesus knows that the healing is not enough for this man. Leprosy, to be fully restored, required a process based on the law that was witnessed by a priest and the community before it could be finalized. This isn't a question of whether the man was healed or not. He was healed. But Jesus is looking out for the best interest of this man. In order for him to re-enter society, he had to go through the, the process that the law required. And Jesus here is showing compassion not only for his physical healing, but this man's relational healing and future. He wanted this man no longer to live as an outcast, a reject, but invited back into the life of his community. Verse 45, but the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. The, the exact thing that Jesus tells the man not to do, he does. He did not listen. He couldn't help himself. He was a leper, cast aside as an unclean loner who didn't matter to anybody. And now, because of Jesus, fully restored. Hope recovered. He had his life back again. He couldn't help but talk about Jesus and what he did. And as he marveled at Jesus and couldn't keep his mouth shut, then the crowds came and flocked towards Jesus. In some ways, Jesus pays the price for this act of compassion. He now has to stay on the outside of the towns to avoid being that spectacle that everyone wanted him to be. Jesus was moved with compassion because he was, and he is compassion. Jesus is the master of compassion. The one who stopped and saw people in their needs and did something about it. The one who cared for the hurting was willing to get involved. 
The one who allowed his life to be interrupted by people who were desperate and without any hope. The one who reached out and touched people as an expression of love. And this is our master. This is our Jesus, who we love and follow. He broke through cultural and religious barriers to demonstrate that his kingdom will be built on love and compassion and concern for the well-being of individual people. Compassion for Jesus was not about creating a spectacle. Compassion for Jesus was a personal expression of concern and care for another's well-being. And here's how I define compassion for us today based on this example from Jesus. Compassion is heartfelt care and concern for another's well-being that expresses itself through a personal response. I'm going to read that again. Compassion is heartfelt care and concern for another's well-being that expresses itself through a personal response. And today, right now, Jesus still feels heartfelt care and concern for you and I. Jesus' compassion for us today is no less than the compassion he showed the leper that day. Yes, the leper personally experienced Jesus face to face. But we have something that the leper did not have yet. And if you're struggling this morning to believe or to hold on to the compassion of Jesus Christ for you, or if you've never experienced Jesus' love and compassion for you, there's a place we can go today. There's a place we can always go. We can always go back to the cross of Christ to remember and to hold on to. The cross is the centerpiece of Christ's compassion for us. Christ personally offered himself as a sacrifice for us, for our sin and rebellion towards God, so that we could be brought back to the Father, restored and healed. Through the cross, Jesus' compassion was expressed personally to us because he loves us. He cares for us. He's concerned about our well-being and our relationship with him. Man, if you're ever doubting Christ's compassion for you, go back to the wonder of the cross and Christ's demonstration of his unending compassion for you and I. And now, today, for those of us who have experienced the compassion of Jesus, and are truly followers of Jesus, committed to living our lives, to honor him. Now it's time for us to grow to become more and more like Jesus. Christ is asking us, his followers, to live in the way of compassion, inside and out, like he did. You know, when I think about myself um, before college, now, I have to admit, I wasn't much of a compassionate person. Aren't you glad you didn't know me back then? 
man, before I really became a follower of Jesus, man, I was pretty self-absorbed in my introversion, my insecurities. And I don't really think I felt much care and concern for the well-being of, of, of others. And certainly I did not express it and show it to others. But then as Christ got a hold of my life, and he began changing me from the inside and out and helping me to feel more deeply his heart for people. And it's been a long, slow journey, and I know I'm not done yet. There's still a lot of growth that needs to be done in me. But I know I'm a different man than I was 20 years ago because of my relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage us this morning that Jesus wants to help us grow as people of compassion. Through being in a relationship with Jesus, spending time in the presence of our God, who is compassion and love, Jesus will teach us. He will transform us to become more compassionate. Now, I don't think you just snap your fingers and you become a more compassionate person. I believe this is something that God does in us through the work of his Holy Spirit. And it's something we can grow in as we follow the Holy Spirit's leadership in our life and practice compassion on an everyday basis. So what would it look like for us to become more like Jesus in the way of compassion? To reflect compassion on the inside and the outside. I want to share briefly just a few next steps for us to grow in living this inside-out compassion. Let's talk about the inside. The first thing is, I think we need to stop with the excuse that compassion is just not my wiring or personality type. Sure, some of us are wired to be more tender-hearted and feelers. Some of us, very much not so. And I, I see this in my children. My children are created by God very different. Some of them are more tender-hearted and compassionate. Others of them are not. I'm not going to name names this morning. (laughs) And I think of the movie Beauty and the Beast. I haven't seen the new movie yet, but I, I have daughters, so I've seen the Disney version plenty of times. And the Beast was this callous, hard hearted stubborn creature. Yet through the beast's relationship with Bell, his heart is softened and his tenderness begins to become unveiled. Man, what Bell did for the beast, I believe this is what Jesus Christ does for us in so much greater ways. No matter what your personality type is, God wants to make you more and more compassionate like his son. I believe it starts with you experiencing the love and compassion that Jesus Christ has for you personally. And maybe your starting point is a lot lower than others. But God wants to take you where you're at and step-by-step grow you in compassion to become more like Jesus. Second thing is we need to be able to see others, not just ourselves. Man, compassion requires us to step outside our own world and to be able to see the world of another person. 
I fear too many of us are living life like we're constantly holding a mirror up to ourselves. All that we see is our own life story, our own problems, our own issues. We get so wrapped up in our own world that we can't see the world of anybody else. And when we put the mirror down, which I think we need to do, and begin to look and see other people's worlds, that is one of the steps of growing in compassion. Put the mirror down. Stop just looking at your own life. Look at the life and the world of someone else. I think when you do that, some of the greatest needs that we'll see in our culture are not physical, and they're not material, but they're rather emotional and relational. There is so much emotional and relational brokenness in our culture today. When you begin to see the needs of another person, compassion is more than just being nice. It's entering the other person's world and being with them there, staying with them. It's being present with that person. Beginning to see and understand from their perspective and then just sticking with them. Henry Nouwen writes, let us not underestimate how hard it is to be compassionate. Compassion is hard because it requires the inner disposition to go with others to the place where they are weak and vulnerable and lonely and broken. But this is not our spontaneous response to suffering. What we desire most is to do away with suffering by fleeing from it or finding a quick cure for it. And that's a temptation for us when we begin to enter other people's lives is to want to either fix it or flee. Fix or flee. And we're so used to fixing things because we want things to be better. It's so hard for us to just stay in the mess without a solution, without an easy fix. And then when we can't fix it, we are overwhelmed with the suffering and the pain. And then we just want to flee. We just want to run away. But compassion will lead us to go to difficult places with the other person. Instead of fixing or fleeing, man, to show the other person, I'm with you. I feel deeply for you and where you're at. I'm concerned about you. I care for you. I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to walk this journey with you. And this is being present. This is showing heartfelt care and concern for the well-being of another. And God wants to help you grow, to access your heart, to access your emotions, to be able to be present and to stick with people, to be present, to, to walk with them where they're at. But compassion can't just stay on the inside, though. It requires an outward expression, requires a personal response. You might be thinking, well, I cried at the ending of The Bachelor 
I cried at the ending of Rogue One when everyone died. I must be a compassionate person. I'm glad you felt something. I'm glad you were moved. But the compassion we're talking about here is about expressing it personally to a real human being who you know. Jesus with the leper, he got personally involved. He didn't just feel compassion on the inside. He was moved by compassion to do something in response on the outside. Man, when God brings someone into your life who is hurting, who is in need, who is suffering, the way of compassion will require us to get personally involved, to step out of our comfort zone into the messiness It will not be convenient. It won't be easy. It's going to demand time and energy and ongoing care and concern and just pouring out your life in love for that other person. And it's often a long and slow journey. Compassion is not just felt. It's expressed personally and outwardly. It leads to action. Man, in order to follow Jesus in this way of inside-out compassion, we need Jesus' help, amen? (laughs) He wants to help us. We need Jesus' compassion for us to experience it personally and intimately. We need Jesus' help to be able to see others, to be present, to resist fixing or fleeing And to be able to express compassion on the outside, personally and outwardly. I quote a lot from Henry Nouwen, um, because he's one of the authors that's greatly impacted my life. And it just isn't his writings, but it's his story and his life. Nouwen was a famous professor and writer. He taught at Notre Dame and Yale and Harvard, well-esteemed as a professor published many famous books on spirituality. Later in his life, though, Nouwen got connected to John Veneer, who was the founder of Layarch. And Layarch is an international movement of communities that welcome people with disabilities. And through this connection, Nouwen felt led to leave his prestigious academic career behind. He walked away from all of it. And he went to live among some of the most marginalized people in our society. He moved to Toronto, and he lived in this home called the Daybreak Home. And he developed this close friendship with this man named Adam, who had severe disabilities. And Nouwen spent a lot of time with Adam. Every morning, Nouwen would help Adam with his morning routine. And this wasn't a five-minute deal. This was hours on end. And in his book, Adam, God's Beloved, he talks about his relationship with Adam. And though difficult at first, Nouwen began to experience a deep work of God in his own life through Adam. And he writes this. Adam could not speak or even move without assistance. Gripped by frequent seizures, he spent his life in obscurity. In the eyes of the world, he was a complete nobody. 
And yet he became my friend, my teacher, and my guide. As Nowen saw Adam, was present with him, developed a connection and a relationship that was built on compassion and love. He came to see Adam not as his project, not as his burden to bear. Adam became his friend, his teacher, his guide. Somebody that the world discarded as a nobody. God showed now in his heart his compassion for Adam. This man was God's beloved and a person that had so much to offer this world. And through the surprising friendship with Adam, now and learn the way of Jesus, the way of compassion in more depth and beauty. Man, what a beautiful story of how the compassion of Jesus Christ is at work in our world. We need more and more stories like Henry Nowen and Adam. You and I, though, we're not Henry Nowen. Our life, our story will be different. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God's call on your life is to make you more and more like Jesus. And this means learning inside out compassion. I bet we can agree we want to see this world become a different place. And we believe together that Jesus is still establishing his kingdom in our broken and messed up world. And he wants to bring his reign of compassion through us to this world. When people experience the compassion of Christ through us, they will be drawn to Jesus himself. My hope and prayer for us is that we would live this inside-out compassion more and more every day, every week, and that this will lead many others to want to follow Jesus and give their love and their wholehearted devotion and allegiance to our master, our leader, Jesus Christ. I want to lead us in a response uh, to just pray about this together, just a very specific response. So if you can join with me and just prepare your heart just to talk to God and to listen to God. You know, this compassion we're talking about is going to happen life on life, person to person. So the question I want you to ask God right now, who in your life is Christ calling you to demonstrate his compassion to? Maybe it's a family member a spouse, a sibling, a parent, or a child. And sometimes it's the people who are closest to us that are so difficult for us to have compassion for because we're so used to their patterns, 
We're so familiar with who they are. But is there a person close to you, a family member, who has some genuine needs, and God is asking you to express concern and care and demonstrate compassion to in a very personal way? Or it might be someone in your life who's just really struggling right now. They're going through a season of suffering. But it can be so hard to move towards them. It's so easier just to run away. And this person might have hurt you greatly. Or their needs might be overwhelming to you. But God might be prompting you this morning with this person. And it might be costly. It might be risky. But you've got to follow Jesus Christ's lead in your life. He might be asking you to step towards this person in a move of compassion and love. Take a moment and ask God, who? God, is there someone you're asking me to step out and show your compassion to? If there's a person that that someone that God is bringing to mind, someone in particular, I think the next question then is, God, what do you want me to do? What does that first step look like? And there might not be an easy answer. Every person is different. But I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and to guide you with what that next step is. And first, the Holy Spirit wants to fill your heart with compassion for this person. That's something I think you'll have to pray about. Just ask the Holy Spirit, fill me with compassion for this person. And then show me, what does this outward, personal expression look like? And I truly believe God wants to lead you. He will show you. He will reveal it to you. Just take a moment just to invite God to speak and maybe address what it would look like to take a next step towards this person. My hope this week is that you would stay with us and really continue to pray about this. And and maybe, you know, God's going to bring someone random this week out of the blue and there's going to be an opportunity to show compassion to them and I've had a head start on this and there's just a neighbor of mine that I feel like God has just been putting on my heart and in some ways I'm embarrassed how I have responded to this person and I, Jesus is telling me it's got to be different Jared it's got to be different and he's calling me to, to step out and show compassion uh, to this neighbor God, I just pray by your Holy Spirit, you just continue to to lead, to show us. First, show us your great compassion for us, your unending, unfailing love for us. And I pray, God, that you would work in our inner person, our inner being, that we would not have the excuse, I'm just not a compassionate person. 
as we grow to know you and to love you, God, you would more and more make us like your son, Jesus Christ. On the inside and out, teach us the way of compassion. And I pray this week, if we encounter some people in our lives with genuine needs, and there's an opportunity for us to demonstrate concern and care, that you would empower us in those moments, not to depend on ourselves, our own strength, but to rely on your Holy Spirit who wants to empower us. Jesus, more and more, make us compassionate people. Reign your compassion in this world. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.